Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. This weekend we are coming to the end of reading from Matthew's Gospel, as well as the end of our liturgical year. Now, for the past few weeks, we have been hearing parables about the end times. Today we have the parable of the landowner that leaves his servants behind, and we see what the servants do while they wait for the master to come back. Remember last week, the parable of the bridesmaids? The wise bridesmaids and the foolish ones, how they waited for the groom to come? Well, this week has a different spin, but the same thing, waiting. It's a different take on the theme of waiting. It's the classic parable of the owner and the talents. Now, the owner goes off, we hear, on a journey, and he gives the servants different sums of money. To one he gives five talents, one two, and the other one one. Now, these talents are not, we're not quite sure if they're gold or silver. If they're silver, they're worth, in today's terms, maybe around $1,000. And so it was a fair amount of money that this owner was giving his servants. Now, we hear that the first servant, who has five, completely invests everything that he has. And in doing so, he hits it big. He doubles his return on his investment. Likewise, the second servant, he also invests the money completely, and he also doubles his investment. But we hear about this third servant. He says to himself, you know, I'm afraid of my master. He's demanding, and if I play this money and I invest it, I might lose it. In that case, the master would be very mad at me. Well, I'll play it safe. I'll bury it. And when he comes back, I will give him exactly what he gave me. So the master does come back. It said, The first servant came and said to the master, Master, you gave me five talents. See how I have made five more. His master said to him, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Since you were faithful in small matters, I will give you great responsibilities. Come, share your master's joy. The second servant does the same. He greets his master with doubling his investment. Instead of two, he has now four coins. The master greets him well. He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Share my master's joy. Then we have that last servant. He gives this pathetic excuse of bearing the talent. The master has nothing but contempt for the servant. Notice what he says to him. You wicked and you lazy servant. And then he orders him to be kicked out, thrown out of the house. He loses his job. It seems like this is a harsh story. It makes us feel a little uncomfortable. Now, we know God is this master, and we are servants in whom treasure has been entrusted to us. And so what are we to make of this story? Well, it's a story that tells us about a powerful spiritual truth. It's called the law of the gift. 
The law of the gift is one in which your faith will increase by the very measure in which you invest it, by sharing it and living it out in service to God and others in this world. This is a central theme seen throughout the entire Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Your faith will increase by the very measure in which you invest it and live it out. Now, it may seem counterintuitive. At first instinct, we cling to our faith, don't we? We protect it. But if we do that, our faith diminishes. In the act of sharing or living out our faith, that's when our faith increases. See, that's why Jesus gives us this economic example that we are all familiar with. All of us have some money saved up, and so what do we do with that? Well, we risk investing it in order for that money to grow. We invest it in things like stocks and bonds and mutual funds. We know if we hide our savings under the proverbial mattress, it won't grow. Worse yet, it its value will diminish over time. And so Jesus is taking a basic economic principle that we all know, and he's applying it to the spiritual life. We have to invest in our faith, live it out. How do we invest in our faith? Praying every day, going to mass every week, engaging in a lifestyle of stewardship, lifelong faith formation, See, those are ways in which we invest in our faith. We're engaging it. Then our faith will grow. Just like the servants grew their investments, so will we grow in our faith. The worst thing that you could do is not invest in your faith. Not invest in prayer, coming to Mass, lifelong faith formation. And so this parable is about the law of the gift. Now let's make it more specific more of a focus, because I think these talents are about something, something very definitive. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Paul says, we hold a treasure in the earthen vessels. Well, what are those earthen vessels? Our bodies. And in our bodies, the treasure we hold is our faith, our faith in Jesus Christ. And see, that's the treasure that will lead us to eternal life. We have been entrusted by our master, Jesus Christ, with this treasure. All of us, baptized people, are entrusted with the treasure of our Christian faith. This deep belief in our God of love, this deep belief on Jesus Christ and his resurrection from the dead, this belief that we can be drawn into God's own life. See, this is our faith and this is our treasure. And so it begs the question, what do we do with this faith now that our master has gone away? What do we do in these in-between times? Well, the clear implication is, do you want your faith to grow? If yes, then invest it. Live it out. Do you want your faith to diminish, even disappear? Then bury it. Bury it. Don't invest it. Don't live it out. Bury it. The person that buries their faith has the attitude of, you know, I'll practice my faith when I feel like it, how I feel like it, wherever I feel like it. Well, what will happen to that faith? Well, eventually it'll fade away. And here's the strange paradox. We have to invest our faith in order for our faith to grow. 
How do we invest it? We share our prayers with others. We share our prosperity for our faith community. We share our skills and abilities to make sure our church is continuing to be vibrant and alive. See, that's how your faith increases. Now, the the last few minutes of this homily, what I want to do is offer some practical advice on how to invest your faith. First and foremost, let the language of the gospel be on your lips, part of your vocabulary, such that you speak it naturally. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to be on a street corner on a soapbox preaching homilies or sermons. No. Instead, deal with that little sensor that hovers around your lips that tells you, no, no, uh, don't talk about your faith or tells you, no, don't mention God in your life or in any conversation. That's embarrassing. Well, if you have that sensor, get rid of it. By speaking about your faith, it's not harming or offending anyone. If you say things like, you know, boy, this is a beautiful day. Thank the Lord. Or you tell a colleague or a coworker, you know, I feel so blessed last week because this happened to me. Let me share it with you. Is that embarrassing? No. People might look at you in a funny way, but so what? This is one way of investing in your faith. Another way, wear some sign of faith on yourself. It's, now, I'm not abdicating that we should all go around you know, wearing religious habits. Although I think we can say with some confidence the decision of the, some religious orders to get rid of their habits and the religious dress after Vatican II was a disaster. The fact that some religious orders so radically secularize themselves such that rarely do you see a religious order person in public. Well, wear some sign of faith, a cross, maybe a medal of a saint. If you can't do that, hang a cross in your home or a picture of the Blessed Mother. Wrap a rosary around your rearview mirror. Now, it's not showing off, but it's a public witness to your faith and why it's important to you. Another way that you can invest in your faith, pray in public. Now, I know with a pandemic, it's difficult for us to do anything in public. But when we have the opportunity and it presents itself, pray. For example, you go to McDonald's to get a bite to eat. Well, you get the food, you go into a booth, you sit down. The first thing you do, you say grace. I have a friend. He and his wife have been trying to teach their five-year-old boy for many, many weeks, Grace, to pray before meals, whether it's breakfast, lunch, or dinner. He told me a couple weeks ago about a story. They went to Culver's, and they got some food. They went into a booth. They sat down, and they started opening up their packages. And he noticed that his little boy was not touching the food at all. So he looked at him and he said, what's wrong with your food? Isn't that what you wanted? The little boy looked at his dad and he said, I can't eat until we pray. Now the father, he was first shocked, but then he was proud of his son. His son got it. He knows he had to pray grace before a meal. And so they did just that. Now when you do that, you might get some attention. But at the same time, you just may inspire others to do the same. It's a quiet way of witnessing your faith, 
a quiet way of investing in your faith. Another way, take some time for lifelong faith formation. There is so much to explore about our faith. The more you come to know about your faith, the more you talk about it with great confidence and can even defend it. One last way in which you can invest in your faith, call a parishioner that you haven't seen in a while in light of the pandemic. Now, there are parishioners that are staying away due to personal health to protect themselves, but they're also feeling isolated. If you know a person that is intentionally staying away because of their health, call them. Let them know that they are missed. Let them know that we are praying for them and they're not forgotten. The leadership of both of my parishes have done just that. They have called all the parishioners of our parishes to offer that same message. We're praying for you. You're missed and you're not forgotten. In doing so, they invested in their faith. Friends, today we have a great challenge, but it's wonderful. The gospel gives us a powerful lesson, the law of the gift. Your life will increase by the very measure in which you invest it, live it out in service to God and others in this world. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.